0: Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The HubSpot Podcast Network has other amazing podcasts like No Straight Path, hosted by Ashley Menzies Babatunde. Now, by shedding light on the stories behind the shiny resumes, social media highlights, and job titles, No Straight Path aims to humanize success from the millennial perspective, featuring guests from all walks of life, No Straight Path aims to inspire conversations around the nuanced perspectives of success. Now, some of these topics at home, you're going to love this show. Success is all about maximizing happiness. An interview with Esther Agbaji about finding your voice. Success is communal with Yvonne Doc Aswad. Now, if these topics are interesting to you, make sure to check out No Straight Path wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today, my guest is Timothy Daniels. He is the president and chief executive officer of Tiger 21. Tiger 21 is the premier peer membership organization for high net worth wealth creators and preservers. He is based out of New York and is responsible for the strategic operational, and financial results of the organization, but most importantly, the delivery of an unparalleled, world-class member and community experience for the 700 plus members of Tiger 21 who collectively manage personal assets of more than $70 billion. Uh, Mr. Daniels has been successfully directing education and human development companies for more than 25 years, leveraging his strong leadership, technology-enabled innovation, and international capabilities Prior to joining Tiger 21, he served as Chief Executive Officer for Laureate Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Asia Pacific, overseeing these regions for the leading international universities group. He was based in Singapore and then London and had total operational oversight of 34 institutions in 15 countries with revenue totaling nearly $1 billion. Before that, he was president of Apollo Global, a joint venture between Apollo Group and the Carlyle Group. Previously, he served as chairman and chief executive officer of Wall Street Institute International, where he led the turnaround of the leading global provider of English language instruction, which was ultimately sold in a successful transaction to Pearson PLC. So we went into his origin story, but then what I wanted to pull out is his rationale and his mindset when he chose to join Tiger 21 as president and chief executive officer, because Tiger 21 is a relatively novel, new and cutting edge community and concept. Uh, we spoke about some of the strategies that he's using to build the community, to architect the brand, to focus on exclusivity, to focus on providing an immense amount of value for the members. And the lessons that we can pull out from how he's built the Tiger 21 community can be applicable to any community. We spoke about why organizations and communities that foster support and encourage radical candor amongst peers are so important for entrepreneurs when they're first starting out all the way through to when they have had a successful liquidity event. We spoke about what the wealthiest of the wealthy worry about. After having that major liquidity event, what happens when you get a wire for $500 million in your bank account? What are the things that go through your head? We spoke about the habits and the mindsets of some of the most successful people on earth. We spoke about the Tiger 21 portfolio defense, and it's not just a pure financial portfolio, but a life portfolio defense, what it is, how they do it what it accomplishes and why we should try and do things in communities that replicate that because it brings out the best in people and it creates trust and it creates community and it creates a peer group that is second to none that can support you in whatever it is you're doing and then lastly of course it's interesting to understand how he deploys uh, education and human development for some of the most successful people in the world. So some strategies that he deploys in Tiger 21 to help people upskill when they've already had incredible success. We can learn from that and we can apply that to helping people in our own communities and our own organizations. And then lastly, of course, uh, some interesting financial portfolio data um, from members, anonymous members of the Tiger 21 community because it's always fun to figure out what people who are operating at the highest levels and have achieved incredible business and financial success are focused on in terms of investments and trends and so on and so forth. So let's jump right into it. This is Timothy Daniels, the president and chief executive officer of Tiger 21.
1: Well, I maybe I I will go back a little bit before that, Scott, and just because education has been as it is in many people with many people, it's been an important part of my life. And my parents, I, I grew up in Wisconsin. My parents were divorced. Um, my mother cared deeply about our education, and I I would have been the first person in our family to pursue a university degree were it not for the fact that I was. My mother was going to school at the same time that I was, so I'm not sure which of us actually can claim to be the first in our family. Um, But following university, I uh, took a took a position in financial services, and this is now in the mid 80s. I guess I'm I've just dated myself. (laughs) it probably was obvious anyway, uh, but uh, in the mid '80s, and you know, for those who might have heard of what was going on back then in financial services, leverage buyouts were sort of the the, the trend at the time. They were really sort of coming into their own. What really most people now is uh, understand now to be private equity investments predominantly. But I was able to to get in in the early stage of of that trend, and it afforded me the opportunity to see literally hundreds of companies and. And hundreds of different management teams, hundreds of different CEOs and see and patterns started to emerge for me and things that seemed to work or not work management or leadership styles that worked and didn't work um, and you know I, I did that for about ten years I thoroughly enjoyed it um, was doing well from a financial perspective, but as I looked forward sort of over the next twenty or thirty years of my professional journey. I didn't necessarily see a learning curve that i found appealing and so i at that time made the conscious decision to pivot my career from one that was sort of transactionally oriented to one that was going to be management or operationally oriented and put myself on a path to hopefully run a company one day and lo and behold a couple of years later i found myself in a ceo role as my first ceo role this is now the late 90s 1997 in fact and i was running by pure coincidence, Scott, uh, an education business. It happened to be a state-based testing business where we help people who are in certain professions get their state qualifications. And what I realized is if I was going to work as hard as I was going to work um, to be able to create value in the entities that I was associated with and now leading, um, the value of uh, being able to sort of see the value created when people actually improve their lives, achieve their life objectives, was just such a, a, an additional reward that I I I backed into and I found so compelling, and it put me on a path which really has been the last twenty five years of my career now. Just dating myself yet again, um, where. I've now been running education and human development companies for the last 25 years. And for whatever is left in my career, I will continue to do so. Because, again, I continue to work as hard as I have. And and when you make the, the commitments and sacrifices that you do to run a company, um, again, having the, uh, the necessary requirement for you to be able to create value, B, that people are improving their lives and achieving their life objectives, is something that I've just found to be so rewarding. So that's that's kind of what's brought me to this point. Um, I'm happy to jump into now how I've joined Tiger Twenty One. If
0: that well, makes that, sense, that was going to be want. my next question. It was is you've you've been uh, chief executive and C suite at multiple companies. So when you look at something as new and innovative as Tiger Twenty One and what you're trying to accomplish there. What was your thought process for joining? How did you figure? How did you figure that this was going to be the next stage in your career? After, like you mentioned, you you did date yourself a little bit, but it's experience, right? You've been through a lot of different organizations, and now you're taking on something that's so novel after working in probably a lot of very legacy institutions and legacy organizations that probably have been around for a significant period of time. So, what was the thought process?
1: Well, yes and no. Maybe just to provide a little bit more context on that, and I will come to the Tiger Twenty One element, Scott. But um, I I was in the legacy industry, especially when one considers sort of education broadly. It's 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 an industry that has been slow to adopt technology. Um, it's been slow to change its processes. It's heavily regulated in many part in many parts of the uh, the industry. Um, but I've always been someone who's been trying to sort of um, innovate relative to this legacy industry, because I saw there being better ways of being able to create outcomes um, and the value of both time and money that people invest in education from Frankly, um, early childhood education all the way through to um, postgraduate and, and ultimately uh, adult education. And so, as an example, in the early part of um, this millennium, I started a, a virtual charter school business because I recognized that traditional public education doesn't work for a lot of uh, a lot of families and a lot of children. And they they there was there were ways to be able to sort of unpack that traditional offering and then repackage it in a way that might be more effective for a certain part of the population. It proved to be very successful when I was in um, running universities, which was what I was doing uh, most recently before I joined Tiger 21. um, I've been very focused on how you use technology as an enabler, not as a replacement for traditional instruction or teachers or professors, um, but as an enabler to make the process more efficient, more effective, and deliver better outcomes for the users or the students who are now at Tiger 21, our case members. So when I I was presented with the, the opportunity at Tiger 21, it was really for me kind of the convergence, I think, of three things that over the course of my career had proven to be very important to me and very impactful not only for me but but for hopefully the entities that I was involved with you know as i mentioned earlier it was the recognition that the way that you create value is by helping people to improve their lives absolutely the case at tiger 21 and we'll talk more about who our members are they're all readily already wildly successful but if there is one common denominator it's that they're never going to be done making themselves better never going to be done making a bigger impact on the world and hopefully a more positive impact on the world we'll come back to that but first was create creating value by having um, by helping people to improve their lives second is personally for me surrounding myself with people who are better than I am um, on the teams that I helped create uh, on the, the constituencies that we serve. And there's arguably no better place for that than Tiger 21. Surround yourself with 1,100 plus people who all, by definition, are, are enormously successful and are never going to be done improving themselves. Boy, that that checks that box. Yeah. And then the last is, you know, I, and I alluded to this relative, to a certain extent, relative to what I was doing with universities, but the power of networks, I believe, is There's so much untapped potential, and we see it in social media in ways that perhaps isn't always positive. But when you look at the potential of being able to put Tiger 21 members together, one plus one equals something a heck of a lot more than two, probably more than five. And so if we can figure out ways to do that. You know, when we're in the early stages of this at Tiger 21, the power of what these people are going to do individually and then collectively is just enormous so those three things led me to tiger 21 and now three years on into my role as ceo of tiger 21 i will say that what i hope was the case relative to those three things my diligence was correct so i'm
0: very pleased with that no well that's good i mean you're, you're you're still there and and the organization is still growing and i also want let's 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 describe the organization because i think that that's important too because nothing like this and does anything like this exist? What's this Is there a comparable, or is this something that is so novel and so new that realistically, it, this is like the first iteration of trying to build an organization that is focused on individuals that has that have achieved this level of success. Are you like the the people that are basically leading this?
1: We are. and And I will say Michael Sonnenfeld, the founder, um recognized an opportunity that existed, and he basically took something that was a model. Peer networking has been around for maybe ever. Yeah. Um, it's certainly a long time, but it had never been applied to this group of individuals, people who've had this level of success. Because oftentimes it was perceived, well, what additional help can be provided to the people who've had this level of success? But what you come to realize is there is more that they want to and can do, and that's really what the the I think the the the, the rationale for the creation of Tiger Twenty One was. Um, so uh, is there anything else like Tiger 21? No, um, in this specific sense, but there are, you know, take YPO and Vistage, two very well known and very large um, peer networks focused on business leaders, CEOs predominantly, you know, there's a lot in our models that are somewhat similar, but the 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 outcomes for their members or our members are actually quite different. We characterize ourselves often because we see it. We don't see ourselves necessarily as in competition with YPO or Vistage. We we view them as sort of the great undergraduate institutions, and we are like the graduate school. So you know, come get your Harvard yeah. masters or PhD at Tiger Twenty One, and you will have gotten your Princeton undergrad at. Uh, by the yeah. way, I hope I'm not sort of alienating No, 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 no. You're went good. To Princeton Listen. Or Harvard or anywhere else.
0: Yeah. Any, any, any. You get the point. The analogy. The analogy is sound. Um. No, I think that I think it's interesting because, I. So the people that are generally in Tiger Twenty One, they've had uh, incredible success. They've built something, and for some people, it could have been their first thing that they built. That where they had thousands of employees, and they probably exited, uh, for like, you know. North of 50 to 100 plus sometimes IPO'd and they have an enormous amount of wealth and there's a point in their life where they probably don't have to be as involved in that company anymore. Maybe they're not on the board after they've been acquired or whatnot or there's a variety of different things. But now that person is sitting with an insane amount of money that they've never had before in their life and there's no YouTube video that you can really watch to figure out. Like I think there's like Fat Fire on Reddit which is like a subreddit where you go but that's pretty much it. Like there's not a lot of communities that actually cater to this. So talk to me th- the the experience of somebody, the average person, not the person who's done this a few times, but the average experience of somebody that has had an exit and the re- their reality that they're realizing when they finish that exit, they have uh, this wire come into their bank and they and they've never had experience with this sums of, this amount of money before.
1: Well, first of all, Scott, your characterization is spot on in terms of that is what uh, our members experience. And so um, just for context purposes, so I, I, I because I'm going to generalize to a certain extent, um, I'll offer some areas of specificity. But um, I, I actually, a couple of years ago, um, I started having uh, calls with all new members. I do a welcome call with all new members after they've been a member for um three or four months typically. So they have some sense for what Tiger 21 is, but it allows me to sort of get a better understanding of kind of their journey, what's brought them to Tiger 21 and what they're looking for here. And, you know, by the way, the the thing, and we should explore this a bit further. I think your audience might be quite interested in it. The common denominator there again is it's what's next. Mm-hmm. What's next in my life. I, I've had, just as you said, Scott, I've had my head down running this business, you know, some, combination of talent um timing probably a modicum of luck um incredible hard work have brought me to this point but now i lift my head up and one aspect of my life wealth has been addressed likely will never be a concern for me again But now new issues have emerged. What do I do with that? wealth? how do I make sure that I'm continuing to use it in the most positive way? You know that I'm having the greatest impact in terms of my commitment of time and treasure to my philanthropic causes, that I make sure that if I have a family and especially if I have younger children, and many of our members do, how do I make sure that this doesn't adversely impact their lives? Um, And so this whole concept, Scott, of what's next is what is key for our members. And I think one of the key reasons that they come to Tiger 21, which is there is no playbook for this, just as you've pointed out. And there no, I don't think there will be. And this is what our, our founder realized. He was He's our first member. And yeah. he realized everybody is trying to advise you, everybody's trying to sell you something, but they have their own agenda. Whereas if you sit around the table with 10 to 14 other individuals who probably made their money in different ways, but have some common themes in terms of the issues that they're now trying to resolve, that's the best counsel that you're going to be able to get. And that's what Tiger 21 is all about. And so, yes, our members typically are, are individuals who have, um, uh, through entrepreneurialism, through real estate, through um, being a high-level CEO, they have actually achieved great success, and with it comes wealth. But by their nature, they're not done,
0: yeah, and they're never the going to be done. The personality is not, so not going to give up.
1: exactly and so that's what they come to find at tiger 21 how do i make sure that i maintain my relevance and my impact
0: so i i have a friend who had a great exit um it was for you know uh, hundreds of millions and i was speaking to him and he said his biggest concern was what if i lose it what if i screw this up what if i put my money with the wrong financial advisor and i'm curious you see a lot of people probably at this stage What's the biggest concern that somebody has coming out of an exit in the first three months, six months?
1: Well, this is a couple of months into my journey. um, Scott, I I said to someone um, and and it still holds true. If you've met one Tiger 21 member, you've met one Tiger 21 member. And so we have I'm, I'm just going to intentionally sort of use your your friend as an example. Um, you know, that person could very much be, listen, I want to swing for the fences. I want to figure out how do I take this 200 million and make it a billion. Um, another person might say, I want to take this 200 million and I'm giving away 190 of it. 10 of it is going to be created, It is going to be dedicated to, you know, my, my own lifestyle. My, 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 I've got two children, whatever it may be, but I want to figure out how do I take this 190 million and have the biggest impact on the world um in a pot, you know, be outside of my business realm, the next phase for me, if you will. Um, and another might be, you know what, I just want to make sure that, you know, I've got this 200 million when I draw my last breath. And so, you know, it's enough for me. I don't need more. And everywhere in between those three data points, Scott, are our members. And so it is a bit difficult to generalize. But what I will say is, you know, they typically are most thought, most concerned about how do I take the wealth, make sure that I, it doesn't have a negative effect on my life or on the world, and how do I actually continue to have a positive impact?
0: It's actually funny because um, I see a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, I. Every 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 uh, like I've, I've had an exit myself and every person that I follow, like they're all entrepreneurs that have achieved some incredible level of success. Those are the people that I look up to and try and learn from. But it's it's always people trying to figure out what's next, because I the second you have this conversation, it's unfortunate because you have the conversation about having success in life. And a lot of people will immediately be like, well, that's a rich person problem. But I don't think people understand the fact that people that do have success don't want to just be seen as a person who had success once and they never want to make an impact ever again and this is why i you know i this is this is not part of this conversation but i don't love the the hate on elon for example when he's achieved so much success and we talk about all the 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 bs with the taxes even though he's paid more taxes than any human in human history when realistically he's quite literally advancing human civilization as we know it and i think that obviously Tiger 21 members are not at even at the level of of Elon. But the point is, when you do have this incredible (laughs) event, no one is, (laughs) you want want to have a playbook for giving back. But I want to back it up a little bit. I want to also understand how you built this. I want to understand because I think there's a lot of community building, exclusivity, uh, uh, architecting that you've built into Tiger 21, which is very effective. And that could be a lesson for even if you're not trying to build a community of like these ultra high net worth individuals. The way that you've built out the community and the value you offer and the way that you've structured it and the way that you attract new members, I think is is a very tactical playbook that somebody could use for building out other communities because you've done it very well. So I want to understand the actual, the the business strategy behind Tiger 21.
1: You know, um, I'm going to sort of create a framework that hopefully will allow me to answer that question as best I can, Scott, which is kind of heart and, heart and mind. Um, and it's sort of a perhaps a blinding glimpse of the obvious or trite or what have you, but it's also true and I want to come back to it, but but I also just want to make clear, um, you know, um, I'm actually the the steward of what I think is a great institution. This institution was created by its founder, Michael Sonnenfeld. Um, It has now been around. We're entering amazingly our 23rd year. And so this is something that has been um, while, all the core elements are still there. We're really just building on top of it to make the member experience um, even greater, based upon what members tell us might enhance their experience. But so um, I'll, I'll, I will uh, just to be clear about this, you know, sort of I'm, I'm 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 standing on the shoulders of some very impressive people, not the least very of which are founder. Who not, have to, not to, to sort not to not
0: to diminish no what they've done, but I do know that now you've picked up the torch and you're running with it, and you still know the strategy they use. So even if it's coming from them, you, you're the you're the person that deploying it, you're executing it now. So, so yes, I understand.
1: I just want to give credit where credit's due. I'll, I'll take my own credit when it's when, yeah. I, when I earn good, good. it. But, but, but anyway, but, but, you know, so, so it, it is um, I think the heart and mind part of this, first of all, take basic elements of peer networking. It is how do we actually bring together um, people in, in Tiger 21's case, intentionally built, On the foundation of collective intelligence which means we strive for diversity at every turn we'll never be done um we'll never achieve our diversity objectives um because you can never optimize diversity ultimately against all dimensions and so but it's when you can sit around the table with people who've had different experiences who have different interests who come from different backgrounds um that's where the richness really comes in and so and and by the way that's Most peer networks are built on that basis, but from Tiger 21, I will say from day one, we sought to build that out. And thankfully, I think we're continuing to make some very good strides along those lines Um, because that diversity, again, those people represent your board of advisors. And if you had if if a a board, a public company board is not structured with uh, you know, eight people who all are from your accounting firm or from accounting firms or from legal firms or just from, or or product or marketing people, they bring you a diversity for the very reason that you need these different lenses to look at optimizing an opportunity. And as a member, it's your, your, your life, your future, your, that's your entity that your board is now helping to advise you on. And so you want people who are different sitting around the table. Um, but the heart and mind part is, you know, I often ask members in, in these welcome calls that I referenced, did you come here for, think about a, a continuum, you've got a, you've got on one end of the continuum, utility aspects, I want to improve the performance of my portfolio, your friend, I want to make sure I don't lose the 200, the, the hundreds of yeah. millions, I don't know if you said hundreds, it's probably more than 200, but start at 200.
0: A little bit and more, I, but I, it, was, I, it was a I, good exit. But yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That I created. How do I avoid losing this? Yeah. How do I make sure that my um, philanthropic impact investments are having the greatest impact? That my estate plan is established properly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's these utility items that it's sort of like check the box on, right? I want to have, I want to see a unique and proprietary deal flow, which absolutely is a key benefit at Tiger Twenty One. But on the other end of that continuum, Scott is sort of the experiential aspects. I've had my head down. I haven't developed other relationships Um, and just as you said, you know, last week I had 2000 people who laughed at my jokes now it's it's my paid assistant who really could care less about me (laughs) about my jokes and you know he's actually just sort of (laughs) he'll chuckle if necessary, but in any event, you know, it is very much of that right and so. Um, it, it, you know, how do we actually create the structure, the, the experiential element? How do I create new relationships? How do I actually have new ex- life experiences? How do I diversify sort of my own portfolio, if I will? And I'm not talking about my investment portfolio. I'm talking about my life portfolio. And so where on that continuum, you know, might you emerge? And what I would say is some members will say I, I err on one side or the other, but ultimately they all end up benefiting from the entire play, the, the entire opportunity set that exists for them at Tiger 21. So we create the conditions through our group meeting, as I think you probably know, we have um paid facilitators that we call chairs chair people who lead the group who curate the group who really are there to make sure that each individual member and the group as a whole are optimized in terms of their experience but then we augment it with other areas that look across the entirety of the network not just in their 15 member group but across the entirety of the network to be able to tease out opportunities to be able to enhance and and, and customize each member's experience as you will and so that's the fundamentals of networking. Forgive me. I'm kind of prattling on here a bit, Scott, but no, 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 um, no, no. That's the I, I fundamental no, keep going. It's good. It's good. Go ahead. It is, is, you know, the more nodes that you have out there and the more that there's differentiation in the nodes, then you can create them that so, so that they can reinforce one another. That's where the power of the network really starts to emerge. And so you're, the most power is going to exist in that 15 member group um, that you have. But what we're also doing is bringing the power of the entirety of the network to you. So anyway, that's that's kind of the foundation on which it was built and also gives
0: you some sense as to where we're going. And when when you uh, bring these individuals together, uh, one of the things that I thought was very interesting is that you, you deliver education and human development. But at this level, uh, it's far beyond what a, a regular mastermind, for example, would deliver. And also, you have some of the smartest individuals in the world that will probably critique and analyze and pick apart every single thing that you say or do or try and teach them. Like this is not like an easy crowd, right? Like these are not these are not people that are going to that are going to be easily convinced of of this that or the other if they don't believe in it like wholeheartedly. So, when you have all these personalities, how do you build the curriculum out because I want to, again, take the take the lessons that you that you teach over and the things that you help these people with at this stage in their life. And then if we can figure out how you do it at this level, then how you build a meaningful curriculum that actually helps people that you can get on board to uh, buy into can be distilled into any level of community or group that anybody's trying to build.
1: Well, this is, and again, it goes beyond curriculum to include experience and other elements. Yes, what we treat, really try to understand, and we support the chair in this regard scott is to understand what individually are people trying to achieve and that is the question that i have in my welcome call with every member what are you trying to get out of this um and and the other part is what is the group trying to achieve you know as 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 a sort of collective if you will what 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 would success look like and so you know when you and this this now goes back to my sort of educational background. And if done properly, you start with the endpoint. right? What's the objective? And then you back up from that. And so when we think about content, we sort of go to the group. And if the group doesn't need to be um, in, you know, instructed on health and wellness, or if they don't need to be instructed on um, investing in industrial real estate, we're not going to include that as part of the curriculum, but we're going to sort of bring it to bear based upon what they really are looking for. And this, again, is where we work in you know hand in glove with our chairs to be able to make sure not only that they have the tools necessarily, necessary, but that they have access to the resources to be able to get the members what they need. But I would also say many of the learnings, and you were alluding to this, come from the members
0: Joindeleteme. com/success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get twenty percent off is to go to joindeleteme.com success and enter code success at checkout. Joindeleteme. com/success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. if you love bourbon you need to try heaven hill bottled and bond available nationally look for a bottle at your local store heaven hill reminds you to think wisely drink wisely think back to your last few days in the office did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy but where you've made real progress on something that matters because being busy doesn't always mean being productive and i bet you we've all been there and maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done.
1: Uh, as we evaluate members, and if they're a good fit for Tiger 21, because not everybody is, is do they not only have the ability, but do they have the desire to both teach and learn? And so, you know, we can look around that table and you're gonna have, just as you said, you're gonna have experts in a number of different fields. And are they willing to sort of share their insights? Um, It's not that they have to get up and be the instructor, they don't, but they have to be willing to sort of share their insights from the areas in which they have expertise. Additionally, they have to be receptive to others who are willing to share um, their insights in areas where the members want to enhance their portfolio, if you will. And again, not investment portfolio, life portfolio. Could be investment portfolio also. Does that does that answer it does. the does that get It the- does,
0: yeah. So and and I think that, that that personalized touch and the feedback loop that you create with the members is that's sort of the the, the X factor that allows for success. Um, now. There, there are various things that you do that I find quite interesting. Like, I think one of the activities is like a—I don't know if it's, it's done in real time—but there's like surveys that you send out where you force people to be very candid about the—the the information I have right here is like their actual investment activities. But how do you how do you force uh, how do you force these individuals to actually sort of divulge what they're invested in, what they're not invested in? Are there other parts of their life that you try and sort of pry out information to get them to teach over? Or is this one thing in particular, just because of the, the average type of person, they're very focused on investment and whatnot. This is something that you just found to be like incredibly useful that you've, you've built into the, into the experience. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode trends. Now looking to start a business, but you're not sure where to start. Trends can help. The trends community tells you the next big thing months before everyone else. Sign up to Trends to get analyst vetted business ideas and market trend reports delivered straight to your inbox weekly. Plus, you'll get instant access to online training events and an active community of over 16,000 business owners, investors, and entrepreneurs. Backed by HubSpot and The Hustle, Trends provides you with the tools to help build and grow your business. What are you waiting for? Get a seven-day trial of Trends for only one dollar at Trends.co/MFM.
1: Well. But let me highlight two things, Scott, um, one of which is where I, what I think you're talking about and one of which I, I think might be an interesting area for us to discuss. The first okay. is um, we create an asset allocation report where we I think aggregate. It. Yes, <laughs> I, I think it is as well. And so and I also then want to talk about the portfolio defense, which is an important part of the, uh, maybe the most important part of the Tiger 21 experience. But the asset allocation report is basically our members who sort of share their information about, Uh, on an absolutely anonymous and confidential basis, well, it doesn't need to be confidential since it's anonymized, but um, on an anonymous basis, they share sort of where they're making their investments, what's the construct of their portfolio, and then we aggregate that and sort of look at trends that emerge over the course of time and, you know, not surprisingly, you may have seen at the beginning of COVID, we saw a massive spike in cash from our members and (laughs) Thankfully, not surprisingly, I guess they were out in front of this they, they They were ahead of the curve on this, and then they were reinvested pretty quickly as well and again, if one were to look at the general trends um, have remained invested oftentimes in private investments, private real estate, private equity, um, which is sort of again attends to the sort of entrepreneurial orientation. Um, our members are much more heavily invested in private real estate and private equity than the general population who are much more invested in public securities, if you will. Um, But so that's the allocation asset allocation report and, you know, our members benefit from it because they contribute to it. I would I would highlight that there are areas where we're looking to be able to expand off of that, Scott. So as an example, you know, is there something that we could highlight that's going to provide value to our members to be able to say, how are members getting involved in philanthropic endeavors? Um, This has been an area of massive growth for our membership over the course of the last couple of years, pre COVID, by the way, um, but was sort of this um, collective activity around philanthropy. So, can we actually create other sources of aggregated data for the benefit of our members um, regarding other activities that develop trends among what are, you know, people who are usually at the front edge of curves? Yeah. Um, And so that's one. Um, it, it, I'd like to shift to the portfolio defense, but before I For do, sure. yeah. um, let me see if, if anything else on the asset allocation. No, no, no,
0: or? no. That makes no, I, I, I guess I was just, uh, you, you mentioned one trend where they pulled cash out, they were ahead of the curve, then they reinvested everything. I'm just looking at some of the, some of the actual. I won't they reinvested it? everything. No, the, not, no, but they, they, back they went back in. normalized yes. cash
1: yes. levels.
0: <laughs> yeah. Correct. Sorry. Um, I'm just, all the trends are, are, are interesting. Like, you know, you, the things that were sent in the email, can I speak about them publicly? Like the – the because the, I guess it's anonymous anyways. Like some of the things pulled out from the last report, I just thought it was interesting. Or can I okay, not talk about that? Uh,
1: yeah, no, no, no. no, no. I think you can share sort of percentages of yeah, investment yeah. in private real estate, private equity. Yes, absolutely. We, we share no, So I
0: just – I thought it was very interesting. So uh, if you look at the, the May 2021 cryptocurrency polls, again, this is from your member base, right? You have 25% bullish, 30% bearish, 45% neutral. Uh, have you initiated or increased uh, on investment in cryptocurrency in the last three months? 32% yes, 68% no. This was obviously May of 2021. And then uh, during the last three months, have you invested in uh, a crypto fund, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, or other coins? So 20% in a crypto fund, 31 in Bitcoin, 31% in Ethereum, 5% in Doge, and 13% in other. And then the overall asset breakdown... Is 27% real estate, 25% public equities, uh, 22% private equity, 14% cash and cash equivalent, 7% fixed income, 3% hedge funds, 1% currencies, 1% commodities, and 1% miscellaneous. And I just thought those numbers were very interesting because, of course, they they're actually not they're not that. I would actually the only thing that seems to fall out of line with what I would consider like a normal market trend is I feel just anecdotally because of Twitter probably that more people are bullish on crypto. Than twenty five percent. That's the only thing that stands out as a as a as a strange thing (laughs) to me. But outside of that, everything actually makes quite a bit of sense. the The breakdown is pretty is pretty. um, uh, It's nothing is too no no one number is is out of whack with all the others. And then of course you actually kind of like if you look at a crypto breakdown. I think that um, uh, a crypto fund, Bitcoin and Ethereum are like the top investment strategies for most individuals. Yes, but that's a very interesting. Those are very interesting data points because that's what the richest of the rich who have had success who do their research definitely do their research um those that's what they're putting their money into and this is not investment advice if somebody's <laughs> listening,
1: yeah. well thank you for sharing yeah. that because we certainly we certainly do not offer any investment advice we just sort of uh Provide uh, what members are doing with back to them. Yeah. But no, you're right. And by the way, let me highlight the, the what you quoted relative to because you, you touched on this and I, I wasn't with the asset allocation report, I wasn't alluding to this. The questions that we asked around crypto um, were part of a, a, a periodic survey that we will do, um, and we will ask questions that want to do a deeper dive, not just sort of what is the allocation in your portfolio, which is some of the last data that you provided, The front end where I think you asked, uh, you were sort of quoting from three questions that we asked regarding crypto. We were trying to do a deep dive on crypto because we've sort of noticed a trend emerging um, where, you know, maybe two years ago it was you know, okay, everybody needs 1% to 3% in their portfolio as much as a defensive position, if anything else, to people who are becoming a bit more bullish on crypto. And we wanted to understand that a little bit further. I would also say we had 70 members who were attending the Bitcoin conference in Miami. And so we wanted to be able to sort of build some momentum around that since a lot of people were thinking about crypto um, in the the run-up to to, uh, to that conference as well. And so there was a theme that we were trying to tease out. That we could then share back to our members about how do you all feel about crypto? It's certainly getting a lot of press. It's become increasingly, well, I don't know if it's increasingly volatile, it remains volatile. So that was our initiative there. And we do that periodically. My colleague Sherry Horowitz does a great job um, really sort of diving in deep, figuring out, okay, what might be the item that the members really want to understand better? And then sort of Asking them and giving it back to them so that they have an understanding of what's happening in the network.
0: No, that's great. Actually, there's actually one more thing that I'll just put on the record, which I think is interesting. Um, your members also believe that you're in the middle of the most fundamental shift within the energy sector in a century, uh, moving to electricity. So you're actually focused on, uh, this is not that actually surprising, but Tesla, Nikola, Lucid, and then uh, selling ExxonMobil. And then uh, solar energy is on the rise with first solar and sun power for the two companies that were also indicated here, Uh, as well as uh, rare earth minerals, which I I don't have any companies here that were listed as notable uh, rare earth mineral companies, but um, it's just interesting to see what people focus on and which trends, because you could make an argument that people want to focus on a variety of different uh, disruptive and emerging technologies and sectors, and you can have AI robotics uh health tech uh putting things into space bitcoin blockchain crypto nfts DeFi, but this particular topic the shift in electricity and the energy sector is something that was just very notable and and spoken about so i thought that was interesting as well but anyways you can talk you can talk well, about d- 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 or we go to portfolio defense that's also something we should go into
1: well let me let me just touch on that briefly because i think it highlights both a specific and a general point um one, again, is this whole idea of being able to understand a sector and what's happening and, and sort of longitudinal trends that might exist. And so, um, you know, investments in renewables, investments sort of in consideration of climate change and how to play climate change. Um, if if you believe that climate change is occurring, it is really an emerging trend that we're that we are in fact starting to see. You mentioned a couple of companies in particular, and I want to reinforce we are not an investment advisor. We offer no comment on any any 100%. specific security. So, uh, but in any event, um, and and you so relative to this, this is what we are, uh, what we see. And, and again, for my chair, I have the benefit, we all do, of seeing these trends emerge. And then you start, you hear about them sort of a year later after our members have already kind of been in it. Um, so climate is one aspect of that. Crypto is another aspect of that. And you know uh, you, you you see certain others, but in any event, um, let, let's let's shift over to the portfolio defense, if we might, which is a pretty abrupt pivot, if you will.
0: No, 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 um, it's good, it's good. Let's go into that because that's that's a very interesting. Uh, I I don't know how that actually works, and and walk me through how it works, the rationale for it, what it helps accomplish with your members, um, and 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 what what some of the results are from getting somebody to do this portfolio defense. Uh, that maybe we could translate into other types of communities at a different scale or, or in a different way.
1: Absolutely. And it is, it is a, a very unique element of uh, Tiger 21 and the Tiger 21 experience. And so um, the portfolio defense is basically for each member to say, um, I have, here's who I am. Here's how I got to where I, I, I've gotten to. Here's every aspect of my life, financial, non-financial, etc." cetera. Um, and, here's where I would like to go. Now, I'm going to put specific questions to my board of advisors who are the 12 to 14 other members in my group that I want your counsel on. And so um, if you'll forgive the characterization, each member is asked, is required, in fact, to stand in front of um, their peers, fully expose themselves. Nothing is off the table. And if you're not willing to do this, you you shouldn't be a tiger, but and to be able to then get incredible feedback from your personal board of advisors, if you will, relative to the questions that you put to them about how do you optimize your future? Come back to this. What's next question? Is there a better way for you to be able to sort of get the kind of input that you want? Um, But but to be able to ask your board, you know, what is it that how you know, how should I here's how I think I should be going forward. But, you know, we all have our blind spots, help me find them. And so um, that's really what the portfolio defense is, how it's structured and what it's intended to do. What I would also share, Scott, is, and again, I I had met with some people early on to understand what are the group dynamics? What are the behavioral dynamics that occur when you do this? And, you know, when you when you bear all uh, with me and tell me everything that is deeply personal to you, some stuff that you may not have told to others in your life. Um, it causes me to then feel more comfortable opening up and sharing with you. And when you do that, the the utility starts to evolve to the experience and these deep relationships get formed because we're willing to share things in this incredibly open and transparent environment that allow us then to be able to tackle some of the real items that we that we need to address to be able to optimize each of our what's next. And, and is, every member is expected to do this. We do it one, typically once a year.
0: And this can, this can be, this can transcend business. So this can be your, your, your family, your peers, your investment, everything.
1: Absolutely. It can be, you know, I've got uh, a 12-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. You know, I've had a $100 million exit. Um, how do I make sure that, you know, this money doesn't pollute their future? How do I optimize their lives so that they can have the same sort of joy and fulfillment and accomplishment that I've had, you know, that we've had in our life as parents? And so um, it can be that. It can be, you know, okay, my daughter's getting married. um, We're requiring a prenup because of, you know, uh, penetration of the trust is going would be a a big issue. How do I keep from having my daughter hate me, Um, you know, by by insisting that she uh, have a prenup? Again, uh, this is a personal. <laughs> that's, but yeah. but it can be. But it can also be. You know, my portfolio I believe is underweighted relative to riskier assets. I think I should be investing more in riskier assets. What do you think?
0: When you're building something on your own, you generally, unless you seek it out or you're just fortunate enough to have it, you don't have these groups of people that can be so candid with you about in a. In a in a holistic uh, holistic view of your life and everything you're trying to solve for, and it's it's very stressful. And when you're building something, it can be uh, very draining on your mental health and well being. Um, and then you have this event, and you still have success. But then you still, I'm sure, some of these individuals have even even at the height of their success have felt very alone for a long for a long period of their life. So when you push people to open up like this and to do this portfolio defense. What are the results in that individual? What are the things that you've actually seen? Have you seen these people evolve? Have you seen these people um, just, uh, I guess, is there is there a positive that we should take away from something like this, where we can build more communities, even like at YPO or at a smaller level because of the actual mental health benefits that really, really can support an entrepreneur? which i think mental health and well-being and entrepreneurship is a is a incredibly big thing that we have to tackle that nobody's really trying to solve for
1: no I, I, by the way across society in every population that i think that's a statement of fact scott you're you're exactly right and i think you know attending to it is in different ways is always going to be a positive thing I, or as i will say almost always going to be a positive thing and so um uh, yes i think it is an important part I, it's Very interesting. I was having, uh, I I think I've had five welcome calls with members in the last two days. And one yesterday, obviously, I won't divulge anything that is um, uh, particular to this individual. But he said, you know, I've seen portfolio defenses now. And what really strikes me is the vulnerability and, and how open and transparent people are. And I said, you mean the person whose portfolio defense it is? And he said, well, yes, but everybody in the room starts to sort of share that. And so it I, I think you're exactly right, Scott. It does lead to those sort of um sharing things that you know oftentimes don't get shared. Many members say to me, you know, I've got great friendships, but I can't share these things with my friends. I look like a jerk. Yeah. You know, they don't have the level of wealth that I have and so I don't have anybody I can talk to about these things yes my spouse or significant other if that if they have one is is somebody who they may be able to share with oftentimes you know it's hard hard even to share with them to be able to get a level of of understanding and empathy there um and so it is being able to have a, a, a group that has gone through something similar to what you have um and to share all dimensions the utility and the experience i think is just incredibly valuable and i think you're i think you're exactly right there are mental health benefits, probably not for everybody, but for many um, that emerge from this.
0: Um, when you think about building this community, uh, and and where you want to take it, so you mentioned before, yes, you you were not the founder, but now you're the one running with it. And you're the one who's going to try and grow it into what it's going to be in you know, the next five or 10 years, where do you want to take Tiger 21? What's the next iteration of, of Tiger 21 that you want to see manifest?
1: Well, I'd say um, I'd highlight two things um, and they both kind of come back to the same thing, which is an enhanced member experience. And, you know, this is probably, again, a blinding glimpse of the obvious for every one of your listeners, Scott. But, um, you know, if if you can deliver on your promises in whatever business you are in um, and and have great customers or students or members or whomever you're serving um, satisfied um, or hopefully. Truly excited about what they've gotten from you. Um, that is sort of the holy grail. That's how long-term success, I believe, is created. And we have, I think, in many ways, achieved that um, at Tiger Twenty-One, and it is our north star. We'll, not, you know, we will continue to aspire to make that even better. And so, you know, two of the key ways in which I think we can do this, and again, I think they reinforce one another, is to create a truly global community. Um, I've spent f- fifteen years of my career, immediately prior to Tiger Twenty-One, building Global networks of education and human development businesses. And I see no reason why Tiger 21 shouldn't be just as successful throughout the Asia Pacific region, EMEA, um, all of the Americas um, as we are. We're presently in North America and Europe. And so, um, building out that global network, which again is doing what I've done for the last fifteen years, and I think it's going to create opportunities for our members that again are going to cause the network to become self reinforcing, to be able to provide more value. If I'm a uh, if 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 when we have um, a group in groups in Singapore, members in Singapore. Just think about, you know, okay, a business opportunity emerges in Singapore. I may have a sense for what's going on there, but I may may not understand who do I talk to to get the best tax advice? Who do I talk to to be able to understand the the, the HR regulations that exist? How to put in place a proper um, uh, financing structure? Um, You know, so uh, how do I diligence real estate in that market? So, um, by the way, how do I figure out what the best restaurant to go to that isn't in, you know, TripAdvisor? You know, those are the, you can you can go out and this member this network will take care of you when you come to their market and, and vice versa for our Singaporean members to be able to understand what you know how to get those same things when they go to Paris or London or uh, Montreal or uh, Chicago. So. Building out the global network, and then this again—it's—it's it's, it, that is a subset of this, which is continuing to drive the network effects. Be able to create the conditions for members to be able to connect with the entirety of the network for the things that they want to sort of engage on at any point in time, and that implies a love an element of, of, of enabling technology. And I'd offer, like many other companies and 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 industries. Um, COVID has acted as an accelerant for us in that regard. All of our members are now much more comfortable, many of them were u- comfortable using uh, technology. We're not going to a technology-based offering or experience, but enabling technology can be very important, especially when being able to optimize the network effect.
0: Um, I want to I want to pivot and ask a couple rapid fire to pull some last things out of you um, and your career and insights. But before we go there, uh, any closing words as well as all the websites all the social all the links where you want to go send people
1: well it's tiger21.com um and you can find us on virtually every social media site um there so uh, please do um you know look we're we're not an organization necessarily that pitches itself um, we hope that people who would want to find Tiger 21 can find Tiger 21. Um, and so, you know, uh, uh, we, you know, um, I, I'll, I'll offer that, but, um, if there are, um, uh, people who are listening and they'd like to learn more, you can certainly go to tiger21.com and, um, we will get you to the right place.
0: Amazing. Okay. Let's do a couple of rapid fire to pull it from your life. Um, what keeps you up at night now after all the success that you've had in your own personal career, what's the one thing could be professional, could be personal. What stresses you out?
1: Well, I I think, um, COVID has been a catalyst for disruption in so many aspects of what, what seemed like a long-term or longitudinal trend in globalization. And I think we all started to envision and in fact build for, whether it's our own investment portfolios, whether it's supply chains, whether it's the way we travel internationally for pleasure um, around you know these increasing, the barriers coming down relative to um, globalization. And I think that's sort of been brought into question. And I think, you know, now in virtually every aspect of our lives, um, you know, we're not exactly sure what that's going to look like in the next 10 years. Candidly, there's opportunity in that. Um, and I mean, I, you know, certainly from listening to our members, I think there's opportunity in that. But, you know, it does create some level of uncertainty and disruption. And, you know, we've got to we've got to continue to win relative to the opportunities that do emerge as a result of that.
0: What's the the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome in your life? Again, personal, professional, what was that one thing in your life that you remember that was like, holy shit, like when you were going through it, you didn't think you were going to come out on the other side?
1: (laughs) So... Uh, I hope this fits. Um, when I was running a company called Wall Street Institute, which was a, a carlisle backed um, network of English language instruction centers around the world. We had 400 centers around the world, 28 different countries, and we were really starting to grow in China. Um, and it, it was a franchise model. Um, and we wanted to acquire the Chinese franchise, and this is in 2006. And so, and, and there was still a lot of, un- there's a lot of unknowns in China today, but there were. perhaps an order of magnitude more than. And, um, you know, if if I'm really honest, uh, you know, the areas that I grapple with are being able to take enough risk. Um, And so, um, and by the way, sort of the structure of Tiger 21 really provides me with a great counterbalance in that regard. Um, But I think it's more, you know, and, and should we actually acquire that Chinese entity at that time? And I grappled a lot because we were doing quite well. Um, with the company. The Carlisle investment was grow- going extraordinarily well. But this was turning, you know, uh, a home run into a grand slam, if we get it right, or a home run, you know, you're taking a home run off the board, and it's a triple play. And so, um, you know, uh, we ended up executing on it. Um, it ended up being the grand slam that we wanted. Um, but it was knowing that I I needed to sort of run counter to some of my natural instincts relative to risk. And it's something I still push myself on, Scott, which is you know making sure that I you know, um, am, am
0: appropriately um, risk-oriented. I was gonna say, I think that because of the group that you're exposed to, and I think that's actually a lesson for anybody who's listening. Um, not everybody is exposed to the group that you're exposed to, but when you do expose yourself to people that are operating at such a high level, I feel like your ability to take on risk or the way that you look at risk is much different. Because now this small little thing in your life, whether it's starting something from scratch or taking that job or whatever, does it is it really that risky in the grand scheme of things when you think about what some people deal with on a day to day? And these are all decisions that people make. People can make billion dollar decisions that people can make hundreds of thousands of dollar decisions. But I think that there's always there I think that when you you break it down to the person who isn't worth over a hundred million dollars, I think that uh, everybody could play a little bit riskier. In my opinion, I think it always sort of benefits one way or the other.
1: I I, I I will share. I think those are words of wisdom, Scott. And I was not. I would not have been Tiger qualified at that time. But I will share with you. I think it's a it's a very appropriate observation that um, t- being able to engage with the Tiger membership and network um, does allow you, I think, to look at risk a bit a little bit differently.
0: Um, if you had to pick one person, obviously there's been many, but pick one person who's had a major impact on your life. Who was that person and what did they teach you?
1: (laughs) Well, Mother's Day is Sunday. Um, And I would have, I I told (laughs) you I was going to university at the same time as my mother. Um, And, you know, I, and and I mean it sincerely. Um, You know, she raised three children, um, working as a waitress, then going to school and um, ultimately ended up starting her own business and actually having an exit Um, not to get her to be tiger qualified but she she allowed herself to level achieve a level of self self self-sufficiency and i think she taught me a lot about being able to sort of uh have a strong work ethic to be able to sort of uh the dignity of being in service to others um which is a management style that i think i still i hope i live by today um, and just the ability to know, to have a positive attitude, to know that, you know, when you're confronted with hurdles, you know, um, don't just stop, figure out, you know, c- continue to work. How do you go
0: around over or through? Uh, if you had to pick a book or, or some source that, uh, that has impacted or influenced your life that somebody should go check out, what would you recommend?
1: <laughs> uh, I, am not big for business books. I'm really not, Scott, not I, you know, I, I, I. No, no, no. And I think, you know, I, I, by the way, I I do, this is a a tip jar item that I got in my early days at Tiger 21 to uh, enroll in Blinkist because um, Blinkist is a great way to sort of get quick hits on some books that maybe, you you know, you don't want to be taking two hours on a Saturday morning to read. Um, But um, I I mean this sincerely, this is not sort of, uh, 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 you know, any sort of anything unintentional relative to our founder, but, his book, Think Bigger, Michael Sonnenfeld's book, Think Bigger, is actually a really interesting observation, a look into kind of what was behind it, what was in his mind in creating Tiger 21 and sort of what is this all about? And what do our members really experience? It's much more than we could cover in our hour here. And so I don't know that it's had the biggest impact on my life, but I think it is really well done and offers a perspective that few are privy to.
0: Um If you had to tell your 20 year old self one thing, what could it be?
1: Don't enjoy the University of Wisconsin quite as much as you are. (laughs) I was a very poor undergraduate student and I spent the next years trying to fight my way out from uh, um, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, shedding the, the the underperformance in my undergraduate education. All kidding aside, I I, I think it would be um, be who you are. Try to figure out how to be the best version of yourself, um, because you know not everybody is intended to be an entrepreneur or CEO or anything. Um, just try to you know understand who the best version of yourself is, and then commit to being that.
0: And then, last question. What does success mean to you? I think
1: when uh, uh, when one draws, I'll put it in my own context, because it is to me Um, when I draw my last breath to have as few regrets as possible.